Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend in Fuego. Across from me is not Vicky Barcelona. She is on assignment. Yes, she is taking care of spy stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, a, you didn't know she was a spy? <laughs> Apparently, she's an international oh, super spy, right, as yeah. stated by the namesake, BJ Shea, because yeah. he's here yeah, she making works. up interesting rumors. She works for M- MI 3.5. Oh, because she's short. Oh, thank you. Get and one of the boards is Joey D's. Wham! Yes, it is Wednesday. That's right. We will be asking Dr. Dice, getting our information, Ooh. our questions from our tabletop maestro. I am Dr. Dice. You are not Dr. Dice. Well, we have a Dr. Dice already, all sir. Right, fine. What you, show your PhD. Oh, hey now. <laughs> I only I need a couple of drinks, buddy, and at least one dinner. We will also be talking about the third episode of Moon Knight. It's a very interesting Moon show that's getting Knight. way more interesting. I'm really liking it. Moon BJ will talk about some of the comic books he's been reading, and also he will go nuts about Strange New Worlds and the things that are happening within that, because it's not out yet, but they're putting out some stuff. Oh, yeah, they are. And, of course, maybe that more. More. If you want to get a hold of us, you can do so at bjgeeknation at gmail.com. You can find us on bjgeeknation.com, where you can get all of our older episodes and some of that more like we've stated as before. Now let's get right into this with our good friend, because you know what? We gotta talk to Dr. Dice. Tabletop RPGs can be fun for everyone involved, but sometimes a question will arise that you just can't answer. For those times, you need to call the experts. Trouble at the table? Need some advice? All you gotta do is ask Dr. Dice. And our Dr. Dice is Rob Whelan. Rob, I love the fact that you're down for helping out a lot of the gamers in our community. And the first one went so well, and we got a really good reaction, so we have some more questions for you. Are you ready? Uh, ready as I'll ever be, man. That's the spirit. <laughs> so, the first the, the question for today is, what are some of the ways you guide your players into situations that you have prepared without railroading the narrative. Okay, so railroading, for for those who uh, may not know what that means, uh, is uh, a term that is used to define a narrative that is going to happen regardless of player action. Um, And that can make players feel like, well, if I, you know, if I can't control the story, if I can't do whatever I want, what am I doing here? Like the whole point yeah. of a role-playing game is that you, is that there is a, there is action and reaction. It's uh, uh, I, I was, I, I like the framing that came out of um, the powered by the apocalypse games that talk about uh, how gaming is a conversation. And uh, uh, so, but the, but that's also a challenge on the dungeon master side because you you cannot prepare for literally every plan <laughs> and uh, and if you try you will go insane um uh so some of that is uh, i i think my answer is 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 two parts here one uh if you pay attention to the narrative elements that the players want uh, and seed them with characters and situations that that they are looking for, that will get them to go to the places you want them to go. 
Um, and this is why it's important to talk with your players a little bit about backstory and, and setting, even if you don't necessarily do a full on like session zero, let's make the setting together. It's important to, to, that you get those hooks uh, set sooner rather than later, because when a player gives you a hook and you use it, they're more likely to go the direction that you want them to go. So if you want them to go uh, hunt down the, uh, the 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 cursed sword of the of Baron von Evil, um, <laughs> don't give them the quest it from a mysterious hooded stranger in the corner. Give them the quest from their dad, who they've talked about in the, you know, well, I yeah. I decided to become a warlock because my dad really hated it and I rebelled against him. Well, <laughs> um, you know, how desperate must it be if your dad, who you are not on good terms with, um, comes to you and is like, I need your help. Um, because that's the kind of, of hook that will get the player to go to where you want them to go, which is the dungeon of the castle of you know, Baron Von Evil. Um, the second thing uh, that I do when I prepare encounters is you have to think about multiple ways to resolve the encounter. And, and again, some some dungeon, some people get anxiety because they think like they have to be like Doctor Strange and like think of, and like see every possible encounter is you need to think about one way to resolve it via um, physical action, one way to resolve it by mental action, and one way to resolve it by social action. Um, and as long as you think about that uh, and go, okay, you know, the the they get attacked by the orc tribe, they'll, they'll probably fight, but they could also sneak past them or they also might talk to the, you know, like, try to bargain with the chieftain. As long as you give some thought to each one of those broad outcomes, you're going to be able to adapt your plans better and also feel like, um, and that way also the players feel like that their choices matter. Um, because even if after the orc encounter, you, you have an idea for how the next encounter is going to go, the choices that they make within the encounter may color th that next step. Because again, you're reacting. So if uh, they sneak past the orcs, then if the next encounter is, um, you know, they're trying to... Uh, uh, hack the uh, hack open the door and like not trigger a trap. Well, um, then you know now there's maybe a little time pressure of well, we got to get this done before the orcs find us, and that and that kind of heightens the encounter. Or if they talk past them, if they if they bargain with 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 the orcs, then maybe in addition to the thing in the dungeon that they that they need to find for themselves, the orcs are like, well, we have lost many of our tribesmen. Uh, to uh, find the ancient eye of Skargar, and if you bring us the eye of Skargar, then you know we will consider consider you as our equals, and and uh, and so that gives them sort of an additional side quest to do inside the 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 next space. So modifying those uh, by by thinking of how the players are going to approach an encounter, 
um, allows you to modify those encounters later to make their um, their, their choices matter. Um, one. Uh, an adventure that does this really, really well uh, is actually the most recent uh, D&D release through um, uh, Critical Role, the called Netherdeep. Oh, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I think it's a fantastic... One of the things that I really like about that adventure is that they sit down and don't just you know drop a bunch of encounters on you. They say, well, if they do this, then later this thing might happen. Um all the way through to the end of the campaign where the you know the final the final big boss battle isn't just a a big gr- a big hit point grind like there are specific victory conditions within that you know you could defeat the boss you could kind of just like tie and and you know the boss still lives but you guys get out too or you could screw it up and blow up the world and i think that that's <laughs> an excellent example of that kind of planning that's amazing, and that's a great little aspect on that. And I, I know the one thing that I I really like to do as a with uh, either being as a player or a DM is if I'm a DM, I like to um, talk with my um, with uh, with my players. And obviously, with the session zero, you can have that. But even if you don't have that, just be like, "Hey, have in your mind like a couple of contacts that you have, and let me know what those contacts are." And you don't have to do a huge backstory. Or even just with like the background, like you're mentioning with the father, like it goes a long way just to have a little hook like that, because you're right. It makes it so the person feels like they're in the world. They're just not playing a game. And I, I think a lot of starting dungeon masters get this idea that they have to do all of the work um, and they have to have like five notebooks <laughs> full of of like, you know, they have to be the next Tolkien and they have to create the entire world down to like, you know, how do you, you know where what do shoelaces look like in this world? Like and and you really don't <laughs> yeah. like the, the more confident you get as a, uh, a game master, the more the easier it is for you to push some of that work off on the players and at, and when they're like do i know anybody here uh that that can help us out with this if you you flip it around and say i don't know do you because that is more like that's more likely going to be uh an, an engagement of that player rather than you telling them uh, who they are and it and it's also easy i and i do this a lot um at with theater of the mind players is to ask the player do you want to define this or do you want me to drive and tell you what happens? And sometimes oh, yeah. the player wants to drive and sometimes you want to drive. And both of those are really acceptable options. I mean, that's a really good way to put that, too. I mean, I, I, I didn't even think about that. Just like give them the choice of either or on that, because sometimes they're just at a loss for what to do or where to go. And to be able to have that uh, in the back pocket is pretty solid, man. That's a good, good, good one, man. Thank you. <laughs> and again, thank you so much, Rob. You can ask Dr. Dice by going to BJGeekNation at gmail.com, sending us an email, put that Ask Dr. Dice in the subject header, or just hit us up on social as well. Hit up the DMs, hit up the Facebook, all of that fun stuff. And uh, thank you so much, Rob. Thank you. Ask Dr. Dice is brought to you by the Theater of the Mind Players. Are you looking for a new game? Theater of the Mind Players play all the great RPGs besides D&D. Check out their YouTube channel or wherever you can find their podcasts for the games that they've played and more information. And again, thank you so much, Rob. Really do appreciate you being out there and helping us all out. If you guys want to uh, give us any questions, anything along those lines, check us out and definitely check out the Theater of the Mind Players. Now, 
Let's talk some TV. Disney Plus is still putting out every Wednesday, mm. Moon Knight. Right now, episode four has dropped today. We're not talking about that because we're giving a little bit of delay for everybody. What a good guy you are. All right. So this is a chance for you to uh, uh, have already have seen the uh, third episode because we're up through one through three at this point in time of this six episode limited series. And now you can uh, listen to us and then go watch episode four and uh, see whether or not our weird rampant speculation is correct, is wrong, or where the hell they're going with this show because to be perfectly honest uh it is it, it's a mind f like in many different ways because in the first two episodes we first find ourselves hanging out with uh, Stephen grant who works at the gift shop at the museum definitely knows a lot of stuff about uh, egypt and uh, uh hieroglyphics and is learning all of these things and then we're introduced to his next personality yes. or at least person uh, 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 a part of this body in Mark Spector good old Mackie yeah who is uh, 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 apparently a mercenary a little more badass than Steven maybe uh, a lot more badass than Steven and then in this episode we're coming across the same sort of aspects how we were introduced to Mark via Steven where we though well there were blackouts that's what I'm saying I mean were we actually being introduced to Mark well, and that's the big thing at this point in time because what was happening to Steven is now happening to Mark. Right, the little and blackout, the eyes turning yeah. white, rolling back. And, and then you know. Mark is saying, well, dude, it wasn't me because myself and even uh, 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 Mark at that point had said, you know, stop taking over. And uh, Stephen Grant's like, no, it wasn't me. So how many people are we dealing with in uh I mean in even in addition to the voice of Khonshu the uh the uh, the god who has been uh, maybe forsaken by all the other Egyptian gods at this point in time. Oh, if you like, don't know, uh voiced beautifully by F Murray Abram. Dude, it's so yeah. good. Yeah. Like the voice work with that character is so great. And I've talked with Joe about this, but it really really reminds me of Venom where yes. he seems just kind of like where Venom was like an intergalactic, essentially loser when it comes down to the Tom Hardy one, where they've been kind of like, eh, it was kind of a dork, you know, it's like no one really liked me, so I'm here, we could be heroes or something. It seems like Khonshu is just kind of like, obviously he's been outcast by them, as, as you see in this episode, but he just seems kind of like a loser god. Like, yeah. it's a weird way to put it, but it's like, oh, you're a god with all these powers and you have an avatar, but you kind of suck. He's not part of the group, man. Yeah, 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 exactly. He's pissed. I think he's pissed because of all the evil that is allowed from the other gods, and I think that's what's yeah. put him on the outs. It's just like, you effers allow so much crap to happen and don't punish anybody for it, you know? And so that's where I think he's just lost his mind, and he's like, violence is the only way I'm going to deal with all of the crap that's going down. Yeah, and it I mean and it even seems at this point in time that um we're dealing with um Harrow who is uh, uh played wonderfully by Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Um and then you see that Amit, the god that he now worships because he used to be an avatar of Khonshu is one that has also been banished, not only banished but imprisoned. Yeah. So like and hidden by all the other gods and like so like they don't even know where um, uh, uh, the the tomb of Amit is, and that's the whole MacGuffin to find, and that's the reason why you know they're doing all the things is to unleash Amit and you know Thanos the world or whatever the hell you want to do with it. Oh yeah. Um, so it's it's one of these things where we've got two gods on the outside of this inner circle who are you know trying to go out and do things, whether or not it be benevolent or malevol- uh, malevolent. We don't even know with Amit at this point in time, other than they're willing to kill little old ladies and maybe children. Like it's just. 
it, it, it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, Amit definitely, you know, and it's funny because I just got the uh, board game Ankh. So it's so fun to see these characters <laughs> yeah. because it was like, oh, hey, I've been playing the, a game with all these different characters, these different Egyptian gods. Yeah, Amit's a, Amit basically saying, uh, I have the ability to tell if you're going to be a bad person. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to not, which is interesting. You're never going to get a chance to manifest that. And we don't know if Amit's ability is just to see the possibility or if, in fact, it's an inevitability. Yeah. And that's the, the real sketchy part. And I love that Khonshu is at least like, I only punish people once they've done it. Mm-hmm. Which, kind of like you go, all right, well, at least they've done it. You know, you've got proof, and you're like, you're going to take out the bad people. And you're kind of hoping at that point for, um, you know, humanity to, you know, to shine at that point in time and be better than what you would be expecting and maybe not go down to those violent or whichever, you know, law-breaking ways that uh, have to be punished. Which is so funny because the whole uh, Egyptian god group was like, why do you want us to punish him before he's done anything? Because he's probably trying to raise the god. He's like, he hasn't done anything yet. Well, and that was even like the weirdest part about this entire thing, too. Like, they um, are, and the reason why we haven't seen them in the MCU at this point in time is very uh, eloquently explained, very conveniently done, where they've just been like, no, we don't deal with the workings of man. Our avatars are just here to observe. You're screwing up Khonshu by having your avatar going out and actually interact, and that has already put them in a bad light. So when Haro comes in, he is put on trial because they're just like, no, he's actually doing this. He's trying to raise Ahmet, who's going to do this terrible stuff. And they're like, yeah, but you're kind of a dork. You're kind of a jerk, and we're not necessarily going to believe you. And then Haro just comes in and is just gaslighting uh, Steven or uh, Mark at that point in time who's speaking and even Conchu who's speaking through him like as just, no, you're just nuts and you're just trying to screw everything up and so much that they don't even they don't even fashion a chance to believe him. Yeah. Which, which makes sense because they're already pissed at humans for basically letting them go anyway. Yeah, exactly. So it's really interesting to see where the, it kind of goes on all of that aspect. I was just kind of surprised that it was Essentially, just kind of a brush off. Other than the one, uh, the uh, the one goddess whom I can't remember at any point. Oh, Hastur, uh, I believe. Yeah, yeah, good call, good call. And so, um, one thing I do want to give uh, major props to is Oscar Isaac's, who is playing. I mean, he's playing at this point in time, and in this role right now, he was playing three different characters in terms of uh, Stephen Grant, the meek milk toast guy. I love that word. Um, and uh, uh, then going into Mark, who is. Very flawed um, and keeping so many secrets, even from uh, from Layla, his his wife. Yep. And just having these two characters, and then just the raw like anger and frustration during the uh, during kind of the uh, the the court scene, the you know the uh, Egyptian people's court, when he's just screaming and shouting all of his answers and just that pure unbridled like rage. It was. It's amazing to see him just switch those characters so quick. And even when it was like, okay, so and so, you can take over, and you can see just the look on his face, where he is now a different character. Yeah. Like he's got some amazing acting chops, and I love watching him do that. Some people have really, really been critical of his English accent, and or maybe because he just he's using almost every English term in the way he communicates. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. No, I don't have a problem with his English accent. I, 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 but I don't know. I don't know. I'm not English. I, I mean, I guess a true Brit could tell me whether or not, oh, this is crap or not. But I mean, 
I don't know. He sounds as British as anybody. Yeah, yeah. He just kind of sounds just effeminately British. And I, you know, there's certain like dialects that you can tell, like from like regional locations, like uh, uh, especially in Britain, the different ones. And I, you know, I, again, I'm not an expert, so I can't necessarily like pinpoint where they're from. But you know, the ones that you know really kind of stand out. It doesn't stand out other than just being meekly British. Yeah, which it works for this character at this point. And it is interesting because that's a, I guess Stephen Grant. Somebody told me in the because I forgot the comics. Uh, my buddy Josh told me that Stephen Grant actually was a very wealthy and rich person in the comics and was oh. sort of like the badass from what I, like, you know, he wasn't completely like this. Um, but this is how they decided to go. And then we've got this third personality, as you said, who we have yet to meet. Exactly. Uh, I'm kind of stoked to see how that's going to be going at this point in time. I do love the fact that this is a limited series because they're getting to the point. It doesn't feel like they even have room for filler episodes. It's only Not a six only episode. Six. Yeah, so yeah. I feel that they're going to get right to it. The only problem is, is I would love to f- the fact, and is Disney doing this to me, I want to binge it. Like, I want to be able to watch each one. Like, after I'm done with an episode, I'm like, I want to watch the next and one. And after episode six, won't you just do that? You probably will, because it's only six episodes. Yeah, I mean, I can just get through it and just do it that again as well, and kind of see how that works out almost like movie style. But I'm with you, uh, because I'm currently watching WandaVision that way, and it's like, yeah, it's so much better binging it. Oh, you are revisiting it. Nice. I, I made the pact. I'm watching all the Marvel everything. Wow. So I've, I started with I, the first Iron Man, and I'm already up to WandaVision Phase 4. Wow. So you are going through all of Went those. Went through all of them, and I, and, I, and I really, and I will tell everybody that uh, Iron Man 2 and 3 and Thor 2, better than people, I think, give it credit for. I like those movies. I didn't hate them. I thought I was going to hate them, and it was going to be like just, you know, drudgery to watch Thor 2 and Iron Man yeah. 2 and 3. And I was like, no, actually, I, I kind of like these. They're not bad movies. They're not, they're not as great as some of the other movies, but- they're not horrible at all. I think just the fact that you've got it, you had that long anticipation of a movie coming out and having them and coming up, and you're like, oh, we're gonna, they're gonna do so many cool things. They're gonna do this and this and this and that, and it doesn't live up to that hype. But the fact that you're like, no, I'm gonna watch this and then just move on to the next one, yeah. it gives you a little bit more of an appreciation of it. Yeah. So, wow. um, yeah. So, uh, Moon Knight. What do you? So, what do you all think? And you really like it? I love it. Yeah. Joey D's your impressions? I like it. Uh, I will say, I, I think I mentioned this on the last podcast. This show is probably saved by Oscar Isaacs. I have a feeling yeah, if yeah. it was a subpar actor, this show would be very bad. And that would be Oscar Isaac. Isaac. Sorry. Yeah. yeah Isaacs, I just yeah. keep on asking, uh, adding yeah. that S there. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know why Oscar. I do that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But but you know, and the, but you can say that about a lot of shows, right? Yeah. Star Wars was the same way. You mm-hmm. know, Harrison Ford and the cast kind of saved, saved a that lot movie. of that. Yeah. 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 But you know, so but we get to live in the reality, as I like to say. Hey, Doctor Strange, thanks. Uh, where we do get the great version of the show. So I have been enjoying it, and I feel like you know I want more Moon Knight, uh, and and, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm and that. But I and here's the thing: budgetarily, I think okay, I get it. Uh, and maybe also storily, but the idea is that I, whenever he's going to be added to a movie, I feel like at some point they're going to bring him into a movie. Right. We will get more Moon Knight. You know, at that point, that he'll be really because he's really got some good stuff. Uh, and if this show was a hit, that's the problem. Is like if you want the show to be a hit, it's kind of like oi, oi, oi. I mean, we're not getting enough Moon Knight. It, by, at least by episode three. Now, the good news is we have four, five, and six, which arguably maybe that's where the money's going to be put in for I'm effects. kind of hoping that myself, yeah. I mean, still, they're in Egypt, and they're doing a lot of traveling, and, and I know they've already spent a lot of money on it. It's just, 
I've got those guys. And, you know, so far he's battled a couple of weird dog-looking things. Yeah. Uh, or people. Um, and the one problem I do have is the fact that at the end of this episode, it looks like since Khonshu gets uh, put away in the stone prison, so that he is he going to be depowered for that's like what the I'm next thinking. thing? So I mean, we might get like episode five and six being the big, uh, the big, big ones where you know five is going to be a little bit more Moon Knight and hopefully like what they've done with like uh, uh, six uh, episode six of like WandaVision where it was basically just a big fight. Yeah. So I think they're going to kind of lean into that sort of thing, and I'm hoping. I'm hoping for. More Moon Knight, I agree with that. Yeah, and that's why I was a little nervous when, like you said, when he was trapped. I'm like, okay, he looked like he he lost part of his suit when Conchu, you know, like, yeah, when Conchu got put turned to stone. And I'm like, okay, that means Mark's not going to be able to summon the suit. Great. Yeah. So hopefully Great. that'll just hopefully that'll just be kind of a short thing at that point. And so Mark's got to go <laughs> rescue him, which is what Conchu asked. Make yep. sure Mark comes and get me. Oh yeah, Mark's just got to sneak into this place into the pyramid. And somehow get there without anybody noticing, without the other gods being involved, and without the suit? Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, now, moving on from that, let's still talk about comic books, because, BJ, you've got a couple of comic books you've still been reading. Well, yeah. I mean, a couple of my comic books, are. i got to wait for them to be done, really. Um, we, but, oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't check... Uh, Saga. So there could have been a new one. Oh, there might have been a new oh, one, dude. Totally forgot Saga. I got to go back and see if there's a new one. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm waiting. Oblivion Song has one more to go. That is the uh, Robert Kirkman sort of Cthulian horror based. Uh, but they, one more comic to wrap it all up. And they and it still hasn't been out yet, right? No, I think it's going to be coming out in May, if I if I remember correctly. Fair enough. Fair uh, enough. But Amazing Spider Man did wrap up the Beyond. Storyline, this huge arc that went oh, on yeah. for, a, it, but they it went on. For, it had a lot of issues, but they released a lot of issues, so it didn't seem to go on that long, really. Um, where it had, it was quite an undertaking. A bunch of different artists and a bunch of different writers, and so everybody chimed. It seemed like everybody that has ever done a comic somehow had something to do with this particular <laughs> storyline. Uh, and it's a big finale where this company is uh, basically making superheroes, hiring superheroes, employing superheroes. Then they're also making their own supervillains. And, and and for whatever reason, they're just trying to get control. It's a shadow organization. And even at the end of it, we didn't get to the shadowy part of the organization. We thought we did. Oh. But uh, this person was just a stooge. And she, oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Know, there you go. She was, I mean, she was middle management, really. Uh, uh, nothing worse than a middle manager. But she did save her own, uh, her own ass. Uh, <laughs> it's it, much, much to the chagrin of the high management shadow people. But we get to see uh, a really cool fate of Ben Parker, which... Uh, they were very happy to do. Uh, ben Parker is the clone of Spider-Man. And look, there's a lot of spider people out there. <laughs> not spider enough, people. And there's just not enough room for Ben. So, oh, no. So something had to happen with Ben. And uh, it shows on the cover Spider versus Spider, as this is the epic conclusion of the Beyond arc, the Beyond Corporation. And um, as they're saying, it's one of the most surprising spider stories of the past decade. Da da! <laughs> of course. Are there any other comics you've been reading? Uh, and of course, Fantastic Four. Oh yes, 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 uh, yes. Which uh, is really uh, it's it's the Reckoning War, and uh, basically uh, the Watchers created a bunch of uh, gave technology to a bunch of old, old, old races who then used that technology, and now they're all a holes. Um, <laughs> Isn't that how that works? And Reed has absorbed the me- the the ability of all the Watcher, one Watcher, so he's got his thinking power, but he's going to die in a couple of days because you're not meant to have that. Uh, oh, well, yeah. Uh, Wait and, a minute. You can't kill him. Well, that's, I mean, I as far as I know, that's what's going to happen. And then um, Reed 
in this issue has to give Ben some horrific news, which is going to cause Ben to be as angry as he's ever, 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 ever been at Reed in his entire life. Wow, really? And And they've had some real issues in the past. Yeah, I mean, really, you remember they fought right in FF number one when Ben turned into the thing and was like so pissed at Reed. Yeah. Well, he's even worse as uh, he gets this news from Reed, and he's just like, you son of a beep. (laughs) But S is going down. I mean, it's bad. It's bad everywhere. Everybody is just getting their butt kicked. Uh, by by this this whole reckoning war as it's just affecting so many different planes. Uh, it feels like it's affecting everything in the multiverse. I mean, I, it's just it's just insane. And um, and then of course Reed goes, oh by the way Ben, I got something to tell you. And I was like, wow, in the middle of all this, Reed, you dropped this bomb, great. Uh, and so that's issue forty two of the reckoning war of the Fantastic Four. Now, I did mention in the beginning of this episode that you are getting hyped for a show that's not even out yet, which is Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Oh, yes. Which is going to be, uh, it's going to be like a super prequel, right? Yes, this is, it's going to take place, I believe, after Star Trek Discovery Season 2, which Star Trek Discovery took place 10 years before Captain Kirk. And it was in that season that we met Captain Pike and we met number one. Yeah. And we met Mr. Spock, uh, Spock prior to him serving with Captain Kirk. And uh, fans of the show know that there uh, there was an episode, uh, two, a two part episode in the ser- in the first series, the original series called the Menagerie, and it showed the adventures of Captain Pike, the previous captain of the Starship Enterprise. Yeah, Spock had served under him, and he basically had to kidnap Captain Pike and take him to a planet. And everyone was like, "What's going on?" And Spock is on trial, and blah blah. And what that was is NBC shot a pilot called The Cage where it had a different actor playing Captain Kirk. He was actually Captain Pike, and it was, Star Trek would have looked a lot different if that pilot had been accepted. Absolutely, yeah. But, you know, back in the 60s, uh, when they realized that they're not going to use something, they still go, but we spent a lot of money on it. you got to somehow <laughs> stick it into this series. <laughs> so they made it into this whole flashback storyline, two-part episode that was in the first season of the original series. Um, and uh, But it turns out, you know, uh, Captain Pike makes an appearance in Star Trek Discovery. Everybody loved it. As a matter of fact... A lot of folks that didn't like Star Trek Discovery because it was just the way it was, a lot of the old fans said, we want Captain Pike, bring him back, make a series about this. And finally, they did. And uh, they promised it would be more uplifting, more episodic, and make it feel more like the original Star Trek series, like Next Generation and like the original series and like that, uh, as opposed to this dark storyline that Discovery had. So that's at least what it looks like when you see the uh, great YouTube videos that have been out that Paramount's put out. You probably can see them somewhere in Paramount on their app as well. Uh, vignettes of all the characters on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. which Oh, um, so it gives you the chance to see exactly who's going to be playing some familiar faces and some maybe not so familiar. Yeah, and the cool thing is is that Majel Barrett, Gene Roddenberry's wife, she played number one in the, uh, in the first pilot, and then they didn't like that character, and the, and the history was they didn't like Spock because he looked like the devil, and they didn't want a woman <laughs> wearing pants being in charge. Oh, you can't have well, a woman wearing pants. Oh, dude, welcome to the, the 60s. 60s, I mean, yeah. So, uh, and Gene Roddenberry was like, come on, and they go, okay, you can have one of them. And so he was just like, this is such BS. Um, <laughs> so if you, if you remember in the, uh, in the cage, 
uh, or the menagerie, whichever you had seen, Spock had emotions. Spock was not supposed to be the emotionless one. Number one was the one that was going to be the emotionless one. Oh, so that's kind of how they compromised to have those storylines, just to smoosh the characters together. Exactly. Kind of, at least. Yeah, Gene was like, I don't want to lose the alien. You got to have an alien, you know, whereas number, <laughs> yeah. one was, number one was a human. They had plenty of humans. So, yeah, so they basically turned Spock into an emotionless character like number one was. Um, so the funny thing is, is that she became Nurse Chapel. So he gave, Majel was given another job. She was given the role of Nurse Chapel in the original series. Um, and how about they have both of them in Strange New Worlds? So both wow. Majel Barrett characters are in Strange New Worlds. That's funny. Uh, Rebecca Not Rome- played by the same person, right? No, Rebecca okay. Romaine is number one, who Whoa, we saw in yeah. Discovery. Uh, and uh, Jess Bush, who I don't know much about Jess Bush, but she plays a very different Nurse Chapel. I mean, uh, it, these characters are very updated because Nurse Chapel was pretty much, yes, doctor. Okay, doctor. I mean, it was like a seen and not heard woman of the 60s, really. Mm-hmm. very. I mean, really just a horrible you know, way a woman had to be portrayed. Well, this Nurse Chapel is not, it's like she's the exact opposite. And I'm very excited because she is very, very fun. And uh, very, I mean, That's she's, awesome. she's just like mischievous. And I mean, very, very intelligent, but doesn't mind using her intelligence in a way like if you're dumber than her, it's like, well, too bad for you. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, at least that's what the vibe I get from the short vignette they did. And you can see all these vignettes of all yeah. the characters. They have a character, Dr. Mimbenga. And Dr. Mimbenga was on like, he was he showed up once in a while with Dr. McCoy in sickbay. He was another full-fledged doctor. You didn't see him much. Well, they decided to take that character and say, we're going to make that he was the chief medical officer before McCoy came here, making you think that he decided to step down, maybe get some, you know, free time and not always be serving, Mm -hmm. but every once in a while would serve with McCoy. Yeah. So we'll get to see what his whole life was like. Um, So those are characters we know. Uh, There's a new character. We learned about blind Andorians. And there's a character Hemmer who's the engineer, but he's blind. He's an he's a, he's a he's a he's an albino Andorian, basically all white skinned. Where Andorians are blue skinned. Mm-hmm. We learned about them on Star Trek Enterprise, so it's cool. Oh, they're tying in all the lore yeah. from a lot of the different so places. I that's love that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of so they predate. I mean, they would be in existence. We would know about them because Enterprise was way before Star Trek: The Original Series. Yeah. So Hemmer's their engineer, and he's kind of arrogant. Uh, thinks that humans are kind of stupid in certain ways. Well, I mean, uh, which you know, the Andorians can be arrogant. <laughs> even the blind ones who have their own sort of, they were a different kind of Andorian, sort of shunned by their own people. Oh wow! Uh, but they have cool abilities. Uh, he's new. They have a, a navigator who's uh, uh, Erica Ortegas, and of course, hard to believe, but probably the best navigator in, uh, I should say, pilot in Star in Starfleet. <laughs> Because Isn't that how they always are? It's got to be, right? Yeah, I mean, right. You know, uh, you know, so Detmer, of course, is the best navigator in Star <laughs> even though she's like from 100 years, 1,000 years in the past. She's still probably the best navigator in the 1,000 years in the future on Discovery. <laughs> and, um, and so Ortega, uh, Ortega has a great line. She has a great line. He goes, okay, bring us in. She goes, how close do you want to get? First date close or third date close? <laughs> and then and Pike's response. That's a good line. Yeah, and Pike's response. Let's get blind date close. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> that's a great yeah. already right there. You go. How do you not think this series is going to be a lot lighter and more fun? Yeah. And um, and so and you see. So there's like, I don't know. It seems like every character has their own like 20 to 30 second thing. Then they have a long trailer is showing you more about the show all on YouTube. Uh, and it's going to be May something. I think May 5th. No, I, I if I'm not mistaken, I could be 
either May 4th or May 5th, I think, Strange New Worlds is going to happen. Well, they can't do it on May the 4th because yeah. that's uh, that's Star Wars time, buddy. I know. That's why I think it's funny if it would be May 4th. I, I think it is May 5th because it would have been funny if they did it May 4th. I believe it's a Thursday whenever that is. Yeah. Uh, May, uh, what's that third, the first Thursday in May? Is that May 5th? Uh, yeah, it is May 5th because yeah. Yeah, my birthday's on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Thursday, May 5th will be the first one, and then it'll be weekly. Yeah. So I think out of respect, they probably didn't do May 4th, but they should have. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. This is exciting. I mean, I, I can see the hype for it, and it makes sense that they're putting out all that stuff because it's coming up very close. Just about two weeks good. right now. So yeah. I think the trailers look amazing. So uh, and Anson Mount is a good Captain Pike. Ethan Peck, a good Spock. So i uh very stoked about this. I can tell. And uh, guys, if you're stoked about it, let us know how you feel about Star Trek Strange New Worlds or any of the other shows that we've talked about of course, of course, over the course of the last few oh, episodes. I forgot Cadet Uhura. Oh, yeah. Uhura. Cadet Uhura is in there, too. Cadet Uhura. Interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, and she's awesome. Uh, so, you know, so you, you, you've got, I mean, really, Cecil Rose Gooding playing. She's a terrific actor. So right on. Anyway, it's good. So many characters. And until yeah. next time, guys, stay nerdy. Ha, ha, ha.